We are right now at the halfway point on our mission series. I think this is the first time in at least as long as I've been at, at Christian Lehman Church that we've made a whole series about world missions. So right about at the halfway point, it's a good time for re review. Don't know if you guys are into reviews. I'm not normally, but it's necessary. So let's do a quick review. Okay, so it's been three weeks so far. And um, I, what I did say is that part one of our series, we're really trying to answer the question of why. Why care? Why engage? Why make world missions a priority? And so I was telling you that every Sunday is an installment of trying to answer that question why. And today, in a sense, is no different. So week number one, the main idea is that we've been blessed, like exceedingly blessed. But not so that the blessing would just end with ourselves. You guys remember the spotlight. I know it could have been more intense. It was a $40 spotlight. Um, but we've been blessed so that we can extend God's glory to the nations. Week number two, Jonah, the reluctant missionary. The idea there is that we do global missions because of who we are. It's, it's in our very DNA. It's in the very heartbeat of God. Week number three, very compelling from Revelations 4 and 5. And the big idea is the reason why uh, world missions is so compelling is because we are just consumed with a vision for the glory of God. That was the idea. And now there's today. You all ready for today? Okay, this is perfect. This is perfect. Okay. Um, so, so we're going to start off with a little mission, okay? And I was, I was just uh, fixing my eyes on these five right here. So can we have these five come right up here? And can you guys welcome them with a uh, hand of applause? Can we do that? Okay, right here we have a visual. It is a lifesaver, all right? These are the missionaries. Right all here is the mission field. This is what we're giving. It's going to save their life. Okay, now this is the idea. Some people in the congregation could use one of these, you know. Um, may, maybe they had some bad kimchi this morning or last night, you know. But there's, they, they want some refreshment in their mouth. And so you guys are going to give them a lifesaver, okay. There's boredom in their mouth. You're going to refresh them with a lifesaver. Missionaries, are you ready? Okay, now here's, okay, try to act excited, okay, try to act excited. Okay, yes, I see some thumbs up, okay, and you guys are excited to receive it. Now, here's the thing, okay, we need to introduce a little challenge, because if you just went around and gave one of these to every person, like, that would be really boring. Here's the challenge, there's got to be a limiting resource. The limiting resource is time. Everyone here can relate to that, you don't have enough time in the day, Right? I'm going to give you 30 seconds, okay? I would love to give a lifesaver, uh, life and, and fresh breath to every single person in the church. And there's enough here in this bag. There is enough here in this bag, but you have 30 seconds. Ready, go. 30 seconds. Look at them. They're running. I picked the right people. Look at this. They're throwing things. Oh, my goodness. Hold it, hold it. With, with love and care, please. Wow. Okay, I gave these people too much time. 
Okay. All right. I'm going to give you five more seconds. Five for running. Look at that. These guys are awesome. Four, three, two, one. Stop. I see lifesavers on the floor. All right. No, no, no. That's okay. It's okay. You guys did really, really good. Okay. All right. Um, missionaries, you did great. That was awesome. I wasn't expecting that. That was, that was crazy good. That was crazy good. Yeah, you guys can take one for yourselves. You deserve that. Okay. Wow. Um, this brother grabbed a handful and just started throwing it, you know. I love that. That was awesome. That was awesome. Okay. Um, now, now, here's the thing. This is a little bit of a social science experiment. I was kind of wondering who was going to get a lifesaver. I was kind of wondering if there could be some observable patterns. Now, I don't know. Notice that all those five are college students. So you would think that the people who would get the lifesavers first would be college students. I don't think that happened. I think they went, woohoo, and then this went crazy, right? So I, don't, I would like to know who actually got a lifesaver. If you got a lifesaver, would you just go ahead and stand up? Wow, you guys are great. That is really good coverage. That is really good coverage. Can we give these five a hand? That was amazing. All right, well, I do want to make an observation. Can I make an observation? People call me master of the obvious here, right? So we have ground level and we have lifesavers that were distributed, and I can be like, because I had one, kind of like this overachieving, perfectionistic father. So that's going to come out like just a little bit. Can, I, can that come out for just a little bit? Notice that no one in the balcony got any. Can we wave to the people in the balcony? We love you guys. You did not know the balcony existed. That is a really good uh, reason to not go to the balcony. Actually, this message might be for people who didn't know the balcony existed. Oh, where are we going with this? Okay, now, now somebody's thinking, is, is this like a little bit of a parable? Yes. Yes, it is a little bit of a parable. This is exactly a parable. You see, this room, in a sense, represents the world. We will say that the people on this side are in America, are in the United States. We will say that people on this side are from Africa and Asia and Latin America. And let's say the people on the balcony are in the 1040 window. I don't know if you've heard of the 1040 window. Uh, it's 10 degrees to 40 degrees above the equator. It's this band of land, um, uh, Africa, Europe, Asia... It's the poorest of the poor. It's the place with least access to the gospel of Jesus Christ. No churches, no Bibles. And there is a lot of people. <clears throat> now, here's a question. We all know that in God's heart, there is a lifesaver for everyone in the church. Here's the question. Does God care how it's done? Here's a question from that. Does God have a game plan? Or is it just like free for all? Grab some and run out to the people who are closest to you. Does God have a game plan? Well, let me ask you another question that, that kind of uh, 
is, is, is involved here. Like, does God care who gets a lifesaver? Does it matter where you're from? Or in God's eyes, is a life a life? All lives are valuable. Just go and give them out. Or is God like affirmative action God? You know, like I want people from the right, I want people from the left, and I want people from the balcony. Does this matter to God? Now it gets a little bit more interesting. What if one of them started, like let's say Bobby started running through the aisle to the narthex, up the stairs, right? That's valuable time and resources. They only have 30 seconds. Is it worth sending someone all the way up there when we might be able to get a lot more hits down here? Does God have a game plan? You see, there's some complexities to this. And we start to realize that God's heart is a lifesaver for everyone. And at the same time, how we get it done matters. Not just a little bit. It kind of matters a lot. So the question is, how does God want to get it done? Now I'm going to try to answer um, some of these questions, but I'm going to do it through the story of Acts chapter 1. It's a great story. We're going to walk through the story. But the question is, how does God want it done? And we have our own Diana who's going to go ahead and read the scripture, and she's going to give a testimony later. But let's welcome her up as she reads God's word. Um, if you guys want to all stand up for the word of God. Okay. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach, until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. To them he presented himself alive after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days, speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he has said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And we had said these things as they were looking on. He was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Take a seat. Thanks, <clears throat> These 11 men are groomed men. I'm not talking about hygiene. I'm talking about readiness. I'd like to give you the context of this passage, and I think you'll understand what I'm talking about. These men were hand-selected by Jesus, and they were with Jesus 24-7 for about three years. Personally, I did four years of seminary to be trained for ministry, 
But you know something? I would gladly trade four years of seminary just for one week of what these men experienced day to day with Jesus. They spent three years with Jesus. Now, these men had their, their, their hearts just carved out of them when they saw Jesus getting arrested and Jesus being killed. But when Jesus comes back to life and he appears to these 11 men when they're all together, the gospel writer Luke says kind of a, a funny thing. And uh, I, I think it's very descriptive. I'm not really sure what it means, but I have a theory. Luke says that when they saw Jesus with their own eyes standing before them, they disbelieved for joy. I don't, I don't know. It's kind of a weird expression. I, we don't normally say that. Like, oh, wow, I, was, I disbelieved for joy. But my theory is that they were so crazy excited that they were trying to contain their excitement by not believing what, was, what they were seeing with their very own eyes. You know, because if I really believed what I'm seeing with my eyes, I'm going to just go crazy with excitement. I'm going to do things. They're going to capture on their iPhones, post it on Facebook. It's going to come back and haunt me later. They disbelieve for joy. Now, all I have to say is that these men were ready to change the world. They had just witnessed their leader conquer death and the grave, and come back again. They had just witnessed their leader provide the, the solution for human sin, and it was his own death on the cross. Now, you just imagine how excited they were. They were like kids coming back from a mountaintop retreat experience. They were excited. They were ready to change the world. Now, it's an interesting thing. You look in the book of Acts, and you have the disciples. They're ready to change the world. Clearly, God is ready to change the world. And then you read the text, and you see, like, a problem. You see kind of this disconnect. And I think it's best phrased by the prophet Isaiah when in speaking for God, he says, your ways are not my ways, and your thoughts are not my thoughts. And so the disciples are thinking, we're going to make a difference, we're going to do this, and Jesus is thinking, yes, we're going to make a difference, we're going to do something else. And it kind of shows you that Jesus doesn't think the way that you and I think. He thinks very differently. And uh, with this message, I want to point out at least two ways where Jesus thinks very differently from how we think. We got a bunch of lifesavers in our pockets, and Jesus has a different idea of how it needs to be done. Now, let me put it like this. Okay, verse 6. Okay, this is my own telling of this story. Okay, let's start with verse 6. So, when they had come together, they asked him, they asked Jesus, Lord, will you... At this time, restore the kingdom to Israel. And I notice I, I said that a certain way. Lord, um, will you at this time restore the kingdom? Because we really want to know what you are going to do. You, you died and you came back 
to life. We want to know what you are planning to do. I don't know if you think that's a goofy read. I think that's a fair read, but, and I think it's justified by the text. Now, here Jesus responds. So this is Jesus. He said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Don't know if you ever heard the story read that way. Very subtle, but it's there. Now, I, I think it's too simple to say that Jesus was saying, not me, but you. Because if you really think about the text, if you really think about what he's saying, he's saying, not me, but me through you. Now, it took me a long time to come up with that line. Can you guys repeat that with me? Because I just, I just, I love that. Jesus is saying, not me, but me through you. Okay, thank you. You did that for me. I appreciate that. Uh, the disciples were, were they, you know, they were ready to go. And if anyone was ready, these 11 men were ready. But Jesus said, oh, you need one more thing. They're ready to go. You need one more thing. Wait for the promise of the Father who is the Holy Spirit. And then you see what happens in the next chapter. They wait. I think it's about 10 days. And then something powerful, supernatural, incredible happens. And they are filled with the Spirit and they start talking about Jesus. But it's not just them talking. It's the Holy Spirit talking through them. That is God's plan A. That's God's plan A. I think the problem is that we don't normally think like that. I think we naturally go like, God... You do it. Like at this present time, there are more than 2 billion people on the planet who have never heard of the gospel. And I think a lot of us go, well, God, I guess you're just going to have to do something. But God thinks differently. God's like, not me, period, but me through you. God's plan A is people through the power of his spirit. It's not God without me. It's not me without God. It's God with me. It's God through me. I have a, a story, just a, a small example of this. It's not, a, it's not a big, incredible story, but it means something to me. You guys ever wonder who to talk to during coffee hour? I don't know. I, I might think that a little bit more because I'm a pastor, but I... I I wonder about that. Um, like, who do, you, who do you talk to? Do you talk to old friends? You know, do you talk to the person that you, you reach for the same donut with in the fellowship hall at the same time? Who do, you, who do you talk to? And the way that my mind works is that if I talk to someone, because I would love to talk to everyone, but if I talk to someone, it's, there's other people I'm not talking to because I'm talking to someone. I mean, don't feel bad if I'm, you know, it just, that's just how I think sometimes. So there was... Um, 
there was a time where I'm like, Lord, I, you know, um, it's a little bit complex, but I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to, during coffee hour, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait upon you. I'm going to wait upon your spirit, and I will talk to whoever you want me to talk to. So, I, the fair resolution. So I was in the narthex not too long ago, and lo and behold, one of my former youth come up to me, and you, I, if you know me long enough, you know I'm a former youth pastor, and, and I love talking to my former youth, and there's, there's some of them, and we just, we just have this great bond. So he's coming up to me, I haven't seen him for a while, and normally when I see them, I go, oh, the prodigal son returns, that's what I say, that's my line, and they go, hey, old man, and then we start, you know, so... So he's coming towards me. I'm like, hey, right? And then, and then I look in the corner of my eye. In the corner of my eye, there's this woman that I talked to uh, right after church, and she's about to leave. And I, I feel the Holy Spirit just kind of nudging me. It's just a feeling, but I felt the Holy Spirit nudging me and saying, why don't you go and pray for that woman? You should go and pray for that woman. So, uh, you know, my <laughs> former youth comes up to me, and the, the prodigals, you know, I did, and I said, you know something? I... Uh, I, I need to go pray for someone. And he's like, hey, old man, that's okay. You just go and pray, right? Uh, and so I, 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 I went to the, the woman. She was about to leave. And I, I looked at her. I said, and I didn't really know what to say because, you know, I, I, we already talked about the Warriors and the Star Wars and stuff. You know, I just like, I'm not going to say more about that. And so I'm just, hey, uh, I think I need to pray for you. And she goes, uh-oh. And I'm thinking, okay, maybe this wasn't a good idea. But anyway, we, we go over to the, the uh, private side of the narthex, and she says, actually, I don't want you to pray for me. And I'm thinking, okay, this was a bad idea. She says, because if you pray for me, I'm going to cry. There was something in the message today where God was just speaking to my heart. If you pray for me, I'm going to cry. Um, so that's the end of the story. I, I <laughs> um, but what I'm saying is that at that moment, there was a great kind of freedom and joy because it's not ministry on my terms. You know, I, I didn't know God was speaking to her. But God's plan A for all of us is not just sending you out there. It's not just God doing it by himself. But God's plan A is people you and the Holy Spirit working through each of us in a powerful way. You have the resource, and that is God's plan A. It's people through the power of God's Spirit. Now, when it comes to the game plan of God for ministry, uh, point number one is wait on the Holy Spirit. Wait on the power of the Holy Spirit. But here's point number two, and I, and I said that when it comes to the game plan of God, Jesus thinks differently. Okay, here's point number two, but I, I want to explain it through the scripture. Okay, verse six. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel, Israel, what are they thinking about? Israel, we restore the kingdom to Israel. Now, this is important because, look, there's an economy of words in this story. Every word counts. It's got to mean something. What were they thinking about? What was in their mind? What was in their heart? They were thinking about Israel. Now, think about this. The disciples, three years of ministry with Jesus, where did they focus? They focused on Israel. Where do you think their hearts would be? Israel. Now, if you listen very closely to the text, you will hear the national pride 
that's in the text. And I bet you it was reinforced every week in the synagogue and at school and over meals with relatives. And if you listen closely, it says, make Israel great again. They wore blue and white hats. They said, Israel first. You all with me? You're all with me? You're with me, right? Now, this doesn't have to be a bad thing. Actually, this would be an incredibly moving thing. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 9, basically, that he has unceasing anguish over his people. And Paul said that he would, um, would gladly embrace eternal damnation if that means his own people would be saved. If that meant good for his people, he would rather be eternally damned. You can hear the disciples going, I'm a Jew first. Who do I care about? My people. I love my people. There's nothing I wouldn't do for my people. This is moving stuff. They're caring about their people. Yes, I get that. Verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Now, I want you to think, I want you to use your imagination, I want you to see the faces of the 11 men as they're looking at Jesus when he says these words. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. What are they doing? What do you do when you get excited here in church? Oh, I've seen it. You nod. Oh, it's, it's, it's just, it's incredibly like, wow, they're nodding. <laughs> you know, sometimes on rare occasion you will clap and I'm just like, oh, Lord, you know, right? So right now what? there's vigorous nodding. There's like Jerusalem, Jerusalem. I see Peter giving John like a, a high five, you know. I see, I see James like, do, you know, like doing the chest thump. You know, he's like, yes, our people, Jerusalem, right? Okay, now, now, I don't know, what do you see when you see the faces? Like, for me, the scene is like family, family dinners on Sunday, and I'm, I'm saying something to galvanize our kids. You know, I'm like, hey, after dinner tonight, no one needs to take a bath. You know, and I'm saying something that's going to excite them. You know, like, hey, after dinner tonight, everyone, dessert. Who wants some? Right? I, I've seen the scene. We've done it a million times. You know, my, my oldest son goes, I do. And then my, my, my middle son goes, and then my, 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 my daughter goes, ah, like that. That's, that's it. Will you be my witnesses in Jerusalem? Yes, that's our people. Yes, Judea. That's still our people. Not as much excitement, but they, they're, they're still excited because it's Israel, and they've been regional. They've been itinerant. You know, they care about their people. Yes, Judea. Now, Judea, let me explain Judea. Um, Alameda is a city, but Alameda is also a county. Judea is the county. Jerusalem is the city, Okay. Um, so Judea is the county where you find Jerusalem. So it's the wider area surrounding Jerusalem. They're still on board. They're excited. Yes, okay, we got Jerusalem, you know, Judea. Uh, and then and Samaria. I see Peter, like, whispering to John, it's okay, maybe Nathaniel will do it. He really doesn't do much of anything. No, Samaria, like, they're half-breeds. They're idolaters. They're ashamed. They're embarrassment to the people. I'll be honest with you. They're embarrassment to the people. They are people who have compromised the religion in so many different ways. We are ashamed of the Samaritans. Okay, Samar Samaria. 
and Jesus is not done. And to the ends of the earth. Okay, second, second way that Jesus thinks differently from us. Jesus thinks differently. Doesn't he think differently? We think small. We think America first. We think my people, my place, the Bay Area. And Jesus thinks big. Jesus is like, my heart is to the ends of the earth. Can you see it? Can you see it? I think a lot of times we don't see it. And we say, Jesus, I can barely manage my own life. You want me to care about the ends of the earth? Are you kidding me? You go, Jesus, I got a midterm next month. I got parents who call me and complain that I'm not calling them enough. Jesus, I got health problems. You want me to care about the ends of the earth? And I see here, Jesus like, well, I care. God's heart cares. Yes, I want you to care about the ends of the earth. I'm not that way. But I'm following Jesus, and Jesus is that way. And my Lord said, go to the ends of the earth. Oh, I love my Lord. It's been about two years that I've, I've known Diana. She's really cool. She's really fun. She's been an addition to our staff team. One thing that really stands out about Diana is that she has this incredible passion for missions. Diana, you can come up now. And uh, as we're talking about world missions, I, I, I wanted to identify people who were uh, really passionate about world missions. And my question for them is like, how did you get that way? <laughs> you know, it's not a complicated question, you know. And so I've been talking to, to Diana, who has incredible heart for missions. Diana, hey, you want to say hi to everyone, Diana? Hello. Okay. <laughs> um, and so I was wondering, Diana, I, I would love for you to come up here and just explain how did that get inside you, you know? And, and as, as we were talking more, apparently the story starts when she was small. And so, uh, Diana, would you this go ahead height, and... yeah. Yeah. Same height. Yeah. Same height. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's changed. Uh, would you go ahead and, and share that story, starting when you were small? Okay, so I was in fifth grade, and I was about the same height. I um, haven't grown at all. And I just remember it was about this size of this room, um, and we were at a winter camp. And he said, all of you guys believe in Jesus right now, but by, by the time you hit high school, 50% of you guys are not going to be following Jesus anymore. Well, this was the pastor, right? This was okay, the pastor. Yeah, this was the speaker at the, the winter conference. And I was like, I can't be that 50%. I want to be part of that 50%. I don't want to fall away from God, right? So this is like fifth grade. And then afterwards, he looked over to the 50% on this side, and he said, the 50% of you guys, half of you guys will continue to follow Jesus in college. And I was like, I got to be that college student that's still following Jesus in that 50% of that 50%. And then he looked at this portion, and he said, 50% of that 50% of you guys, only two or three of you guys will continue to be a missionary and to continue to share the gospel to the ends of the earth. And I said, I got to be that person. I got to go share the gospel. And then for me, it was just like, how do people not know about Jesus? 
how can you have an In-N-Out burger and not want to share it to people, right? Like, how can you have something so good and not want to share it to people? So for me, that was, like, a huge, like, calling on my heart to know that in fifth grade. And actually, like, God definitely thinks bigger, and we definitely think small. Because um, in second grade, if you guys know what an Awana is, I rave about it all the time, but it's a Bible club, and we memorize thousands of Bible verses, and my mom kept this since second grade for me. It says my missionary notebook on it, and two horrible pictures of me, and um, (laughs) in the binder, it says, will you want to be a missionary and give your life, and I said, yes, I willing, yeah, so this is, this is really heavy, too, by the way. This is heavy. Yeah. It's got a lot of stuff in it. So that was in second grade, and the Lord was just working in my heart until fifth grade that he gave me that um, through the conference speaker, or through the winter conference speaker, and that was really awesome. Okay, those are pictures. Of, okay. <laughs> well, you don't look through that, but there's like, okay. I was supposed to ask her another question, but now I'm just busy looking at yeah, an album yeah. here. Okay. No, no, that's my birthday party. My mom in- included that in there. But that's, no, this, this is a, you know, got to make use of one binder. Oh, there it is. There it is. It says, there are millions of people all over the world who are on their way to hell. They have never heard about God's mm, love mm. for them and his wonderful plan of salvation. They have not trusted Christ as their savior from sin. Who will tell them? I will testimony about <laughs> Jesus. Will you? Yes, I will. Look at that exclamation mark. Look at that. <laughs> wow. Okay. So it was, it was in you when you were a kid. Yes. Right? That is amazing. That is amazing. And uh, as we were talking, it, it was revealed that, you, so you always knew what you wanted to do. You're like, yes. I, I want to, you know, to the ends of the earth, yeah. God's glory to the ends of the earth. You didn't know where, though. No. While right? everyone wants to be a veterinarian, I want to be a missionary. Yes, right. <laughs> and you didn't know where you wanted to be a missionary, where God was calling you. No. But that did, uh, God did fill in that blank recently, right? Yes. Okay, and can you share that story? Yes. Um, so this was about two years ago. Uh, I just want to say thank you, CLC Missions Committee, for sending me to um, Colorado. And there I went with um, OMF, which is this mission organization. And we were, it was a mobilization training thing where, you know, what resources can we bring back to the church so the church can have a heart for the ends of the earth. And while I was there, um, it was during prayer walking time. So what, you, what prayer walking is, is basically like you walk around, and you pray, but there are pictures along the wall of different unreached people groups that ha- that haven't heard about Jesus yet. So I remember I was sitting there, and the lady was like, kind of giving the training of like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to split up into groups, and all of a sudden, this voice came into me, and I knew it was the Holy Spirit right away because I was talking to Jesus about like, I don't want to go back to Vietnam. I don't want to go back to <laughs> Vietnam. And then um, the Holy Holy Spirit was like, so what do you think about Vietnam? And I was like, I thought I already told you when I go there, I feel like I'm American more than Vietnamese. But when I'm back here, I feel I'm more like Vietnamese than American. And I was just really, like, tugged and really confused. And I didn't really like my time when I was there in Vietnam because I went three years ago or four years ago. And so then so he's like, okay, but, like, no, seriously, like, what do you think about it? And I was like, I don't want to go. I already told you. And if you make me go, I'm not going to be happy this is me being defiant to our Lord. And then um, afterwards, he was like, and then afterwards, I was like, okay, in this hour, I'll give you only an hour, Jesus, to prove to me that you want me to go to Vietnam. I know, I was 
being defined again. And so then afterwards, we split up into groups, and we were walking around and praying for the people groups. And so pretend like that's, you know, standing near that wall, and another group was standing next to us. And we were praying for, you know, I don't really remember, Rwanda or something like that. And the group next to me um, was praying for Vietnam. So we're praying, we're praying, we're praying. And the person next to me was praying pretty loud. And then all of a sudden, I felt like the voices of my group just started dwindling down. And I felt like the voices, the voice of this one man named Rick Davis that I love now, um, he just said, Lord God, I pray for the Vietnamese people in America that don't want to go back to missions, but that have a heart for you to go right now. May you mend their hearts because of these X, Y, and Z reasons. They might feel this way, but Lord, please continue to send the Vietnamese people back to you, um, especially during the time of whatever, post-college and stuff like that. It was very specific. And then this is what I said. I said, I hate you, Lord. I was really mad because I said, God, you're making me do things that I don't want to do, but I love you, so I'm going to have to follow. And then afterwards, I, like, walked away, and then I was talking to Rick Davis, the guy who was praying. I was like, you know, like, I wanted to tell you that, like, when you were praying, actually, like, the Lord completely answered my prayer, and that was only within 15 minutes. Wow. And I was, like, really, like, okay, Lord, this is crazy, you know? And I came back home, and... It was just more reassurance from my dad because my dad is always like, you know, you got to stay home being second gen. Like, you got to take care of our family and blah, blah, blah and stuff like that. But he was like, you know, if the Lord is really telling you to go to Vietnam, then go. Mm. And But I will support you. But it will be hard. And that for me was like the Lord was like answering a prayer right there, another one. And so that was a really huge moment for me because I was telling God and that I was cursing him, and I didn't want to do it, but because the fact that um, the gospel has touched my heart, and the fact that I'm free from my bondage, and the things that I've done, why would I not want to go tell another person who's stuck in their own ways, like, how can I not, like, do that, how can I not know this hamburger is so good, and not want to share it to someone, you know, how can, how can we not know, like, you know, our pride and joy in our kids and not want to share our kids when we meet our friends and family, you know, like, so that's what I imagine is that the gospel's my baby and I need to share it, you know, and um, so that was two years ago and um, I'm planning to go back this summer again and hopefully um, one day um, I want to be a long-term missionary in Vietnam um, to an unreached people group um, in down south of Vietnam, down south of Saigon, and it's in the peninsula. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Can we give Diana a hand? <laughs> she's, she's waiting for her notebook. <laughs> I, I was talking to Diana, like Diana, it'd be great if you could crystallize what you're sharing into like one lesson. And, and we were kidding, like, you know, I think the people are going to be thinking the, the, the takeaway lesson is don't tell Jesus what you won't do, right? Um, I, I wonder if one of the other lessons that we can gather from Diana is um, amazing things happen when we wait upon the Spirit, you know? I, I, I do think Diana was waiting upon the Spirit. Spirit was clear. You, you can wait upon God's Spirit in coffee hour. You can wait upon God's Spirit on Monday morning. 
when it comes to world missions, you can wait upon God's spirit and say, God, what do you want me to do? Our God is a communicating God. And you have this amazing plan A where God wants to work through people, through the power of his Holy Spirit. Thank you, Dinah. That was an awesome story. I, I would like to finish the rest of the story with the disciples. We started in Acts 1. I don't know if you know this, but we're going to go all the way to 28. But in just a, a few um, movements of story, I want to tell you the rest of the story. Jesus said, Jerusalem, the disciples were like, you know, chest thumping, and he said, Judea, the disciples are high-fiving. He said, Samaria, and then, uh-huh, and then he said, to the ends of the earth. Now, this is the game plan for the 11 men, but also for everyone here. And then in Acts chapter 6, you see a turning point. There's a leader in the church who gets stoned to death. And the Christians decide it's not safe to stay in Jerusalem anymore. And so all the Christians, they spread out through the Mediterranean world, except the disciples. The disciples stay right there in Jerusalem. So in effect, Jesus said, go, and they said, no, I think we're going to stay. Jesus said, to the ends of the earth, and they said, no, we're just going to do the first part in Jerusalem that we like. So, do <laughs> you know what happens? In Acts chapter 9, God raises someone else who will carry out the game plan of God that is the man, Paul. Jesus said, go. And Paul said, well, I guess we better get going. And so in chapter 13, get this, the narrative leaves the apostles. And for the rest of the book, it goes with Paul. The apostles were written out of the story. And Paul, because he made the priority of God his own priority, he gets written in. What does that mean? Now, I'm not saying that the 11 weren't saved. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that when we make the priority of God our priority in an amazing way, we get written into the story of God. But when we fall asleep or we're just doing our own thing, we get written out. Now, uh, Raina, in a few moments, she's, uh, she's not here. Uh, she's going to New York to go to a funeral of, um, of a really close uh, college friend, probably one of her, one of her best friends. And uh, before she left yesterday, she was saying to me, you know, something is weird. The last time I saw all these people was at my friend's wedding. And now we're all meeting again, and it's at her funeral. And so I'm, just, I'm thinking, I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking about, like, what is life? Life is between the wedding and the funeral. It is so short. Now, in this very short lives of ours, no one wants to live a life where they get written out of the story of God. I got saved, and then it was all about me, so I kind of got written out. 
I think everyone wants to say, you know, I want to be written in. God, your purposes are my purposes. What your heart breaks for, my heart's going to break for. If this is important to you, then it's going to be important to me. I will prioritize this. And then an amazing thing happens. We get written into the story of God. Right now, as we speak, 30% of the world, 30% of the world, that's over 2 billion people, have never heard about Jesus, and they have no chance to. They have no Bibles, they have no churches. We call these the unreached. Jesus wants us to care. Jesus wants us to be engaged. And then we get written into the story. Right now, there are 400,000 missionaries in the entire world. What percentage of these missionaries do you think are going to the unreached? The people who have never heard, no chance of hearing, no Bible, no church. 3% of the missionaries are headed towards the unreached. Right now, of all the money that is given towards missions, guess what percent is given towards the unreached? People, no Bible, no churches. 1%. We can pray, we can engage, we can care, we can give money, we can support, we can get engaged. And that's why I'm so excited about this series. In God's story, in a sense, this is our opportunity to get written in. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about getting written into the story. So, this is how I want to end this message. I'm going to just do this real quick. Uh, can I get the, the five to come up here again? Okay. Um, come on. Come on. Come on. Come up here. Come on. Okay, this is redemption time. This is going to redemption time. Okay, so it's the same mission, which is lifesaver for everyone in the church. It's the same mission, but in a sense, it's a very different game plan. No, I'm going to tell you the game plan, okay? No, actually, that's a great idea to plan, but the thing is, we only have like 30 seconds to do this, okay? Yes, oh, now she's thinking. I like how she thinks. That's awesome. Okay, you're going to be the missionary for the kids, okay? So you're going to run as fast as your legs will carry. You're going to go, you're going to grab pockets full. And this is the thing. You're not going to just give them to the people. You're going to give them to the teachers. You're just like, here, give them to the kids. And then you're going to go to the next teacher. And those are pastors, and we are going to cover that region, okay? Now, uh, brother, I want you to go ahead and take care of America. You got America? Okay, but what I want you to do is grab handfuls of lifesavers and appoint pastors and say, hey, pass them out. And then point another pastor and say, hey, pass them out. Okay, Bobby, you're just going to do Asia, Africa, and Latin America. Okay, you got that? Right over here, okay? Same thing, same idea. Okay, now you two, I want you to run as fast as you, and when you're running, we're going to like chant your names. We're going to be, Christine, Christine, you know, in prayer, of course, and then we're going to send you money and funds and prayer and all this energy because we are totally with you. What you are doing is so important. You're going to run through the aisle, up the narthex, to the stairs, and all the balcony people who are two billion people in the world, and they are so important to the, to the heart of God, and we're going to totally be with you. We're going to send you out, okay? You all ready? You all ready? Okay, no, actually, I want, you, I want you guys to get ready. Like, you're just going to run as fast as you can. Okay, Wait, hold it. We're not actually going to do it because we're out of time. 
but I want to end on this feeling like something great is about to happen. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> you have permission to throw those at me right after the message, okay? We're going to pray, but I want you to savor this feeling like something great is about to happen. And can we all pray? Lord Jesus, this mode of spring into action, that's what you did say. Go and make disciples of all nations. You did say that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You've given us this amazing calling. And you have said, not just me, but me through you. Oh, Lord, as we wait upon the Spirit, make your directions clear. What are you calling us as a church community to do? What are you calling us as individuals to do? We want to be people written into your story. Your story is the one that matters, not our story. Not our, our, our small stories. Your story is the one that matters. And we want to put you first. We want to put you first. We love you. Speak to your people.